Revivify, design and building pros podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Revivify podcast. I'm your host, Grace Mace. I'm here today with Carly Ebbesing. She is a certified coach with the Coaches Training Institute. Like many athletic coaches, Carly works with individuals to help them to understand ways to amplify their strengths, improve their shortcomings, and help them to see their blind sides and hold them accountable as they leap into the next level. And I'm very excited to speak with Carly here today at the Revivify. Welcome, Carly. Grace, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk with you. There's some common misconceptions about coaching. For example, some people say coach will solve problems for you. Coaches like they're only working for people who are failing in business, but in reality, they're not. So how do you help them to overcome these misconceptions? That is such a great question. And you're so right. And I think part of the problem comes with our title coach, where a baseball coach or a sports coach does give direction and input and advice about how someone can work on their skills and improvement and and faults and things like that. So I understand why there's this confusion. I always explain that I don't tell my clients what to do. (laughs) It's very different. As coaches, I have to believe in my clients and I'm really a conduit. And so when I'm meeting someone, I ask them, what would you like more of in your life? And maybe they say, oh, I'd like to be more creative or, and then I just, honestly, it's like a natural coaching mini session evolves because we've tapped into something that in their life that is maybe lacking and something they're wanting more of. And it kind of gives them a little bit of taste of what this type of non-sports coaching or non-executive coaching is about. That's something that has been a gift for myself as a person and a coach is sometimes we think we can talk to a friend or family member and they tell us a problem. And in our minds, we think we know what they should do. And of course, until I actually went through the training and did a lot of practicing with practice clients and have done coaching for several years, I came to realize like to let go of judgment is a huge gift for clients and myself, because so many times, I can't even tell you how many times my clients have surprised me. Like when I ask them, what is it that would support you in X? Or what is the one thing you could do that would help you get closer to that goal? Whatever it is, all those types of questions. I can't even tell you how many times I've been surprised. And if I had come in thinking, I know like, oh, well, they definitely, if it's exercise, or what losing weight or whatever, they definitely need to do more extra, whatever it is. It's like, if I come in with that, usually it's going to be wrong. And then I've, there's a grift between my client and myself. And deep down, I really do believe that my clients have all the answers. So if I really believe that, if I really trust in them, which I have to in order to work with them well, then I have to let go of judgment. And I have to just let them come up with their solutions. And you know what? Sometimes those solutions fail. And that's okay because there's learning there. It's like we can always go deeper and eventually that client leads themselves to their answers. Well, that's so true. One exercise I work with you on was called the value exercise. 
And as you know, I was very judgmental of myself. <laughs> I was very critical of myself. And that exercise, I struggled a yeah. lot. It was really hard to do, but it was really simple to do. So would you mind share with us what that exercise is about and why is this so important? Yes. So the values exercise is huge because our values are really the core of our makeup. For example, anytime you feel that little tinge, like when something really bugs you, that means that something, one of your values is being stepped on or not being, or someone else's doing something that really offends or is not in agreement with that value. Like if you know somebody's lying to you or somebody you know has cheated or whatever it is, things like that. At the same time, when something makes you feel really good, like gives you a sense of well-being or excites you or makes you happy, those are values too. And what happens is, and these are things that we're just born with for the most part, but what happens is when we're younger, There's so much that's imposed on us, both by our well-meaning parents, usually, and adults. And we're also influenced by our friends, our, our social environment. And what happens is we lose contact with our values because we see somebody get rewarded for something. For example, like being stoic, you know, not talking about when something hurt us and just being stoic. And if our parent says, look at so-and-so, they're not complaining or crying about X, you know, and you are. It's like what happens is you've just gotten feedback that it's better to be not express your emotions or not, not even acknowledge your emotions. And so what happens is as you get older, that could be something that you become less in touch with, but it's still there and it still bothers you. And so This really creates this kind of uncomfortable feeling because we're not living in accordance with those really core principles that are part of our makeup. Instead, we've become a mixture of that as well as the kind of person that we think we should, in air quotes, be. So the values exercise, which is deceptively simple, but it really helps you get in touch with those things that are really important to you, first of all, getting in touch with them and then measuring how well are you honoring them in your life. If this is something that's, for example, if, if neatness and a, a neat home is something that's important to you, but your home is really messy because your family just doesn't put their things away, but every time you walk through the door, that's something that bothers you then there's some kind of value you're not honoring in just talking to your family about this. And that's just a very simple example, a very, you know, something that's easy to visualize. But this really happens in much deeper ways in our lives. It, it can play into like our financial life, our professional life, our romantic life, our spiritual life, physical exercise. It just really contributes to how we're living our lives. So getting in touch with those values and then measuring them in terms of how you're honoring or not honoring them is just a really good mirror, you know, to show up. Absolutely. And what you just describing, I just had a meeting with a client and it's the same thing between homeowners and the pros that they hire, whether it's a design pro or contractors. And they, there is those kind of value, even just with each other as well. 
and how you honor those values with each other and knowing what you matters to you, what you care about versus how you behave, how you show up. If they're not fully aligned, that disconnect will eat you up. And I personally had that experience. Yes, yes. And especially with a remodel or any kind of construction project where there's a lot. Okay, first of all, it's already highly charged by the fact that there's a lot of money involved. Okay, <laughs> that's just there, period. Right. But right. now you have different personalities and different ways of dealing with this. And you could have the owner could be someone who on paper is looked at as being like, oh, but this is a very smart, intelligent Whatever it is, they're looked at as someone being, they're an excellent, they'll be an excellent client because they went to this school, they make this much money, they live in this house, whatever it is. And then you have the pro, maybe they're the same on their end for their professional. But you know what? Unless, (laughs) Unless they're actually communicating in a way and really reading between the words, really using their emotional intelligence, looking how somebody responds, following up on that, then that's really, I'm not saying that there's definitely going to be a problem, but the potential is much more likely. (laughs) You must have seen that in your work too. Definitely. Just because when you see those misalignment and value, trust are eroding and fingers are pointing and that just, the partnerships are deteriorating, which is really unfortunate in many cases, sometimes just need that communication to realign themselves, make sure that we are in the same understanding on the same page, and also continue aligned with our values going forward. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing I really appreciate about BayRep and how you've set things up where that's one of the most, that is the unique quality, which is the questionnaire that people have to answer online where they are, no one's being judged about what kind of style they want or what their budget is or what these things are. But you ask so many great questions that I think people probably get a lot of, you know, like emotional and personal and therapeutic value from that. They probably learn about themselves just by answering that questionnaire. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we ask a question not just to be nosy, but we really care about how the person thinks and feels and also understand their priorities, what matters to them. If we don't understand what matters to them and don't really know them and just matching them with some random person, the relationship will be questionable. They could be wildly successful or they could be wildly miserable. And so we want to moderate that relationship and helping them to find alignment. When they're aligned together, there's a higher probability actually have a positive experience. When they're so opposite from each other or so incompatible, it's just tough. And like you mentioned, it's a, it's a huge financial investment. It's very charged emotionally because it's one profession that people, the professional will come to your space versus you going to a doctor's office or a mechanic's you know, shop. It's a very different dynamic. And so we want to be respectful and understanding and do our best to provide that relationship matching for them to be engaged at the appropriate level. Yes, yes. What it, I mean, I can't even imagine how gratifying it must be to have the end of a project that's gone smoothly or even where maybe there've been some hiccups that have been worked out along the way. Yeah. And that, those to us that's just a that's just a relationship. And this business is all about relationship. So 
but then within relations, there are also behaviors, obviously. And there, what are the, some of the common behaviors that we sabotage our own personal growth and happiness? I know wow. it's a very loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just talk about a couple of them. Well, of course, we all recognize a very dominant person. Someone who doesn't have a problem expressing themselves and maybe just they express themselves, but maybe they don't ask too many questions. Maybe they're a little bit loud. Maybe they also, if something, if they think something has gone awry, they might be very quick to overreact. And then what happens is, well, I'm, I'll just go into that one and then we can talk, explore some others because I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that person, I think we all recognize that person. Right. Well, what happens is, and this can happen with anything, is that instead of, well, what happens is we react. So it's like if someone picks up the phone because maybe they saw, they come home and there's something that was done differently in their home, or there's some, you know, maybe there was a mistake on the bill or whatever it was, they pick up the phone or they send an email and maybe it is a little bit unpleasant. Maybe it's a little bit aggressive. Maybe it could even be a little bit nasty, but that's their like initial reaction. I think we've all experienced that maybe on both sides. And what happens is the person on the other end then has quite a bit of power because they can either react because they're feeling attacked. And so they can react and then things can escalate or they can thoughtfully respond. They can get curious. They can um, have some empathy, you know, maybe realizing, okay, this person, who knows what happened to them? Maybe they just got into a little fender bender or maybe they lost their job or maybe they got into a fight with a family member. And then some, there was a, some little thing that they saw that was askew. And then now all of a sudden you're like the punching bag. And so that's actually been, I would say that's been like a learning lesson for me personally is when I think, when I feel myself feeling defensive or upset in terms of the energy that's coming at me. I just, now I ask myself, do I want to react or do I want to respond? And if I want to respond, sometimes that means in my case, not responding right away. Like take a couple of hours to really let the mull things over, maybe read the email or listen to that voicemail again. If it's something that happened in person, just to clarify what the situation is and just ask for a little bit of time to work on it or process whatever it is. That's one thing I've found is that there's always space. And in this technological age where everyone feels like everything needs to be immediate, it's like, you know what? Sometimes that is the worst thing you can do. So that's one personality type and one way to kind of address it. There's so many other personality types like the people pleaser, the client that tells you everything's great, everything's lovely, but then later on you find out that it's not. That's really hard. And that person has some kind of, has a challenge with being direct or has some, you know, is afraid of hurting your feelings where it's like, your feelings are hurt by not them be by them not being happy, you know, right. you know, ultimately happy. And so to to help with that person, that's really about having them feel comfortable. So and and sometimes it takes a lot to build that trust so that they can feel comfortable to tell you if something's not right, if something's wrong, because ultimately it's gonna come out. 
And you can imagine, especially in your business, one of the worst ways that could play out would be they tell you everything's fine and the project is done, but then they're complaining about you to another client. Like, that is horrible. Right. <laughs> and so for that kind of situation, it can take more time to make them feel comfortable and let them know that ultimately their true happiness is what you're looking for and really check in with them. It might need a little bit more handholding, but ultimately you're going to have a better result. Ah, love that. And let's get a little bit deeper because Home design and building industry is very much relationship business. It's not transactional. Often people may misconstrue it as a transaction. The reality is very much a relationship. It's about partnership. And this year truly has been a challenging year for many people because together you can't really see their entire face if they have a mask on. So you can't really read their facial expression. When it comes to a project, whether it's a remodel or any kind of construction project, people do look at this as very transactional. There's the beginning when you choose who you're going to work with, and there's the end where you have the final project, and they just look at this as a simple transaction. But there's so much that goes on in between and in the middle. It can be a very messy, uncomfortable, complicated situation, and it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, and if it is for whatever comes up and inevitably in my impression is that in all these projects, there's always going to be something that goes off the rails. You have this opportunity to deal with it in a very positive way. And it makes all the difference to whether you're getting a glowing recommendation and referrals to somebody who's maybe walking away and muttering under their breath. And that's a best case scenario. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And that's the reason why I want to focus on this area is because how people behave, how they communicate, how they interact with each other matters so much. It's not the end result in reality is most of professionals, they can deliver incredible results and they can help you to make your vision to reality. That's not a problem. It's an interaction. And that's why oftentimes people stumble and end up tripping over multiple times. And to the point they hurt themselves unnecessarily. And so if we can help just make that minor tweak to get them onto the right track, things could be just very smooth. There'll be a few bumps, but it's not detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're bringing huge value (laughs) to your clients beyond. They're getting so much more than their project being completed. They can see that. This can be done in a way where there are good communication skills and relationships being built and trust. And instead of going in and feeling like fear and distrust and wondering if they're getting ripped off, it's just such a better way to do business. Yeah. And when you focus on transactional relationship, there is that fear of getting ripped off. But if you shift into more trust-based relationship, a building partnership, that you're bound to have more positive output or positive interaction where people feel good about their engagement, their involvement, their decisions, collaborative decisions. I love that. I love how much you bring in the word collaborate too. I just, I love that. I mean, I just feel, it gives me the warm fuzzies. (laughs) Because projects at this size, there's no way one person can do the job perfectly. It's a teamwork. And when you have team, you have to learn to collaborate. And when you're having a large group of people working together, you have to have a better way of communicating 
engaging, being respectful, and being mindful of each other's emotions and their space. Yeah, totally. You have so much to um, offer and bring to this industry, really. Well, this is where I feel like I think the industry is ready for us to think differently, take it to the next level, be more human and be more mindful, be more considerate and be more compassionate altogether. And and day, this is your home. And I think all of us spend so much time at home now, more than ever, we need to find a way to make the space work for us and make the space where we don't regret or have negative trigger emotions when you look that tile is not done correctly or whatnot. Those things happen when things are not collaborate effectively. They're not communicate effectively. Absolutely. I agree. It's been it's it, in very negative ways. And it, but at the same time, I feel like I take a deep breath when I say this, but I feel like there's some gifts here. And part of it is maybe to be a little bit more compassionate, be a little bit more empathetic, look at creative ways to communicate and connect and understand. And if that's something that we can take with us, then I think that, you know, we need to be looking for those unintended gifts. Absolutely. And just like any struggle, there's always gift at the end because you get to learn something. And I think this year, even though there are many ways we can describe <laughs> this year, probably not so positive words, but there, the reverse side is we gain a lot in these yes. lessons that we learn. So some of these things are just so deceptively simple because we've gotten so we've gotten so we've distanced ourselves so much with technology that I would say one big way is so simple. It's simple listening. Mm. And when I say listening, I mean, and this is hard for every, this is hard for everyone. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not above it myself. I'm talking about people being 100% focused, not looking at their phones making eye contacts because we can still do that if we're on a Zoom call. If we're on the phone, not looking at our phones or looking through a book. I'm talking about like true listening. And then one this is actually a really interesting exercise. Try after you listen to somebody, if you practice saying back what they said. For example, after they tell you something, saying, okay, so what I hear you saying is, and then saying it back and then asking them, is that right? I did this workshop, which dealt with that exercise. And I'm actually a particularly good listener. And I was sitting right across from my partner who was telling me something. And every, basically every sentence I was supposed to say, okay, so if I can just repeat that back to you, here's what I heard you saying. And I repeated it back. And inevitably, there was one little thing that was a little bit different. And that was so surprising. And we can practice that all the time. And so I would say that by listening and then repeating things back to make sure you understand, that builds so much trust in the client. Because even if you they say, well, no, not quite, there's this. Repeat it again to make sure you get that right. That's really going to get build so much trust because people are going to feel heard. They're going to feel like what they say is important because so many times clients, and I can speak for myself because I'm not someone who's really comfortable with the building process or things that are mechanical. 
I feel a little bit intimidated by that pro. Like if I ask a question and they might be saying, thinking like, oh, that's such a simple question. So for that pro to like really give me that time and let me know that whatever I'm asking is or saying is important, that will make me feel so much more comfortable. I guess I'm like the perfect person to like it. <laughs> ask that up because I really am not mechanical or technically particularly savvy. So that will build so much trust. Switching gears a little bit with that technical person, like let's say you have a client who is themselves an architect or engineer. Okay. They're very technical. And now they're asking lots of technical questions and maybe challenging the pro a little bit like, oh, why are you doing this? And that instead of whatever it is, the best way to start is to just meet that person where they are. Okay. That person is likely coming in because maybe they're concerned about being taken advantage of, or maybe they feel like they're being judged. Like, why aren't they doing more? What I'm just making all this stuff up, but that person, if they're being hyper-technical, you have to meet them where they are. And then that builds trust to then kind of, it takes out that charge where hopefully because they feel like they're respected as being the professional that they are, or they have this technical expertise, or they are being apprised of different techniques, or they there's some they want to be involved in, in some level. There's some there's some reason for that. That can help mitigate any kind of charge of suspicion or being up discomfort, I would say, that's going to come out in some other way. That does. I often start asking for their guidance. So I can learn from that perspective, not so much questioning their ability by humbling myself and truly genuinely interested learn. I ask, please help me to understand. Grace, that is such a huge gift because really what you've introduced is vulnerability. You've shown them that that's okay, that yes, you're the pro, um, you're with the pro, you know, you guys are the experts. But there's always, you can learn from everyone. And maybe the client has some kind of insight that is value, that is hugely valuable and could, and could be helpful. And maybe that's something you actually learn, something new that you learn, maybe. Or maybe it's something that is valid, but you can act, once you understand, you can actually then show them side by side, or you can explain, you can either explain or you can just outline differences so that they can make a decision. They want to be included in the process for some reason. But by you just showing that vulnerability, you also model that for everyone else you're working with, both the pro, the other pro, and the client. And that only can improve the relationship and connection. Absolutely. And I do find that by just being honest of how I'm learning what I need to help them to realize where I am and help them to come to where I am explaining things to me in a way that I could digest information. That just become a much more even dialogue. And it certainly improved the decision-making much quicker. There's not a whole lot he said, she said, and there's not you know long, long threads of emails back and forth. As you mentioned, build trust. I do trust a person. I'm not questioning their ability. I'm genuinely interested to learn. And that just cut down all the miscommunication or all the potential friction that may cause. So valuable. I can't imagine that that is the norm in your business. (laughs) Well, actually, you brought up a good point because 
in our business, our industry, 98% are primarily men in the field. And the decision makers are tend to be women. They're about 80% of home improvement or any home projects are initiated by women. And so not to play the gender issue, but there is some inherent issue associated with communication styles. And yeah. that's where emotional intelligence becomes very critical to understand and recognize the different emotions, how you're managing through them. And if there's an issue, how do you regulate the emotion? How do you recommend people to build their emotional intelligence? Such a great question. And by the way, we all have to learn. We all have things to learn. You are sorry, Grace, you're not so special in that, <laughs> in that area. And it's, it's life learning. But I would say one of the key ingredients is to get curious. Instead of we all have this reactive gene in us for things like when people are different or people respond in a different way or we're taken by surprise, all those types of things. And so, and you already have built this in with your program and with your clients. It's like that already you're, you're curious. You're wanting to learn and find out about your clients. And we can do this with in our lives. We meet new people and we're kind of curious, like if somebody is themselves asking a lot of questions, you notice that they're a very curious person or whatever it is. If there's someone that makes a lot of eye contact or if there's someone that's like particularly distracted, I mean, just to kind of get curious, I think is a really good um, building block of connecting with emotional intelligence. One other thing I just want to add is And it's, again, so deceptively simple. And it was a big, like, aha moment for me in my adult life. But it's like, when we are dealing with other people, we tend to want to comment on the other person. Like, they did this, you did that, you blah, whatever it is. And if we just, like, practice, that's a reflex. Like, when we notice things are different. But if we just practice looking inward at ourselves, we we're really our own project. So why is that something that bothers me? Or why am I reacting that way? Or what is it that I find funny about this? Whatever it is, to kind of look in the mirror and really get curious about ourselves, those two things, they're so deceptively simple. Then you're already on your way to building emotional intelligence. I love it. That's so key. It's a sim- such, like you mentioned, such a simple idea was such a powerful exercise rather than looking outwards as what other person did to you or what they did was wrong. But it's much easier to say, what can I do? What did I do that caused this re- reaction? What did I do? And also acknowledge how you feel like, okay, I feel uncomfortable. I feel embarrassed. I feel shame. I feel sorry. What like acknowledge how you feel And then get a little bit curious because sometimes that other person, whatever happened, that exchange could just be a trigger. Maybe it wasn't really that person. It's that it reminds you about something else that was much more impactful. But to just get curious, whatever we feel, and I guess this is like one of a, a biggie that I'd love people to take away, is that whatever you are feeling is completely valid. Whatever you're, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter like if you're, if someone says, oh, you're overreacting. No, whatever you're feeling is valid. Now your interpretation about 
why you're feeling or what happened or what they did, that is up for discussion. (laughs) Whatever you're feeling is valid. And these are kind of building blocks of emotional intelligence. That's great. And I love what you said about being a really good listener, empathetic listening, to be curious, not just curious about what's going on externally, but more importantly, looking inwards to be curious about your feeling, why you're behaving this way, how you're feeling all together, what that matters all together. Like you mentioned, builds the foundation of good emotional intelligence and also really comes down to become better on communicator. Yes, I agree. All your relationships in work and personal life. And then the third rail family (laughs) have the potential to uh, improve for sure. And I just want to mention that this takes practice. I'm still practicing every single day. I get lots of opportunities, especially with my blood family to practice. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, quick lightning round. What's the secret recipe for your success? I think success is a moving target. And I think success is all how we define things. But I would say one of the big building blocks that helps me is how I view failure Mm. and mistakes. I used to, so many times, and I'm using myself as an example, if I made a mistake or did something wrong or failed something in somebody, in some way, it's like I would feel just intense shame or embarrassment or feeling bad. And now I really, and that would kind of put a period on that experience. Like, and that's how I feel the end. And what happened was it was just a huge opening when I realized instead of a period, that could be a comma. And it's like, Oh. Oh, okay. This happened and I made a mistake or this didn't turn out the way I wanted. How can I take this and learn from it? Or what, what value is there? Or what good things actually happened instead of looking at this as a overall failure? Like what positive things came from that experience or that exchange? I would say how we view failure, how I view failure is so, so like such an important shift in my life that's been very rewarding. Being vulnerable, that's been huge. Admitting when I'm wrong or made a mistake, like publicly, like to people, I have to say, I actually enjoy that now. Like that used to be something where I felt like, oh my God, I can't admit that I was wrong, like in a meeting or something like that. And now I actually take pleasure in saying, you know what? I was wrong about that. Like it really makes me feel good. It's almost like it reminds me of, um, you know, there are athletes that, you know, have a, some kind of skill or um, like with soccer players, like maybe their left leg is weaker than their right leg or something like that. And so they practice and they practice and they practice so that that lesser skill becomes their dominant skill. And it's like, that's something like I feel like I'm doing and that just makes me feel so good. And so I feel like those are some of some of the things that have contributed to me feeling very fulfilled in my life. And that's how I would view success. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you. No, thank you. I want this for everyone. And I feel like I feel like this is available for everyone. You are a living example. <laughs> and I just feel like it's really available for everyone. And it doesn't really even have to cost that much money, really. Right. I mean, you can work with a personal coach like myself, 
or you can just read books or you can listen to podcasts. You can do a lot of these exercises, you know, and practice with your friends and family. So much of it is just about making a simple choice. I love it. What's the best (laughs) way for them to get in touch with you? The best way is to go to my website, which is carlyebenstein.com. And uh, that's C-A-R-L-Y-E-B as in boy, E-N as in Nancy, S-T-E-I-N.com. And go to my website. I'm going to confess that I am behind on my monthly newsletter because between COVID and right now I'm living abroad in Korea. There have just been so many other things going on, but that's a good way to learn about me. And you can see some of my previous newsletters, like two years worth, that have really good content that is still relevant. And so feel free to subscribe. I will be (laughs) writing again soon. Well, Carly, I really, truly appreciate you spending time and help us to get a better understanding how to regulate the emotion to become more emotional intelligence and to be a better communicator and recognize the weakness and strength and how to be the best version of ourselves when we show up to either meet with clients or meet with the professionals to collaborate with each other. Yes, I love that. And I want to thank you, Grace, for giving me this opportunity. And it's just a joy. And um, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, you're so welcome. But this has been an awesome chat with you. So, well, thank you all for joining this episode of Revivify Podcast. I hope you enjoy learning from Carly just as much as I have about her coaching supports. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Brought to you by Bayrap.